But if you can recognize how far away you are from them, it will really help you strengthen that bond better in a way that you don't push them further away. Right. You have to let them lead the relationship. Yeah. You're listening to the Nacho Kids Podcast, where we discuss all things step family related, real stories, real people, real help. Your hosts are the creators of the Nacho Kids Method and the Nacho Kids Academy Step Family Coaching Team, Lori and David Sims. Welcome to the Nacho Kids Podcast. David said that because he doesn't like the way that I say it. (laughs) I didn't say I don't like the way you say it. I just said it sounds weird when you say it because you change your voice or something. I don't. Yes, you do. (laughs) I say, welcome to the Nacho Kids podcast. You don't talk like that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how I'm changing it. I don't either. Okay. (laughs) Let's move past that. All right. Let's do. (laughs) Welcome to the Nacho Kids podcast. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, David, you have a little story you would like to share. And then I have two announcements. All right. Here we go. So we're sitting at the table eating dinner and my son and his new wife is there. And the new wife is from the Philippines. So, you know, she's trying to get used to all the new customs and a new family that she's around. And poor thing has not yet discovered that it's not necessarily a good idea to agree with me when I say things. (laughs) Yes. So Lori's son walks into the living room. He opens a box that's sitting there and there's some hair color or something like that in the box. And he looks at me and goes, is this for you? Is this for my mom? I'm like, why would it be for me? And he says, because you have gray hair. I'm like, exactly. Your mom doesn't have gray hair because she colors it. And then I said, have you ever noticed how when men get older and their hair gets gray, they look more distinguished, but women, on the other hand, can often look more ragged. And and of course, Lori looks at me with disgust, but my daughter-in-law doesn't see the look on her face. And so she says, that's so true. And then she turns and looks at Lori's face and realizes, oops, I should not have said that. (laughs) And she had this look of horror on her face. Like, what am I supposed to do? Uh, And I was like, you might want to pack your bags and leave. (laughs) (laughs) It was so funny. It was funny because of the look on Lori's face. And then it was funny because the look on Kay's face. And then the look on both of them's face at the same time. And then my son's over there just shaking his head like, my poor wife. (laughs) She just walked right into that one. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Uh, It was hilarious. Uh, Yeah. I laughed way too hard. Yeah. Okay. Oh, haggard Lori sitting at the end didn't laugh a whole (laughs) lot, but that's okay. I'm glad I can be the source of your amusement. But I wasn't talking about you. Just said an in general comment and you took it to heart. But you can't group all women together and I didn't me feel excluded. I did not. I said often women. 
Didn't say all. I don't, I don't think you said often. Anyway. Either way, I was. It's all I right. Was, you married old haggard Lori. It's it, okay. It was a shot across the bow. What does that mean? You can look it up later. We don't have time to go into on the podcast. They have something to do with bow and arrows? <laughs> no. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> all, right. all right. Let's get into the announcements. I'm having too much fun. Okay. First announcement is do not forget to sign up for the Step Family Summit. It is approaching rapidly. It is being held September 15th, 16th, and 17th. To register, go to nachokids.com slash the Step Family Summit. Get registered today. It's going to be awesome. If you sign up today, you get the early bird special, which is... Well, one part of it's free, so no excuse not to sign up. If you sign up for the early bird special, which is before the summit starts, you get free access, live attendance with a 24-hour replay for each session, free offers and a workbook download, and access to a private Facebook group. Cool. There's the enhanced version and the all-access VIP version. If you sign up prior to the summit starting, those are at a great discount. I'm not going to go into all that details, but I will tell you that if you sign up for the all-access VIP, there is an after party. Yeehaw. And we're going to be there. That's right. And there's also a lot of VIP-only offers. And I believe the first 50 people that sign up for the VIP offers get a swag bag. Sweet. Yes. So it's like a backstage pass with a free goodie bag. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. Heck, I think the stuff in the bag's worth the cost of the VIP membership. I'm sure it is. Anyway, that's announcement number one. Again, sign up at nachokids.com slash the Step Family Summit. Second announcement, the Sylvia Krakauer Scholarship. Last year, we had Sylvia Krakauer make a donation to the Nacho Kids Academy to sponsor 10 people to receive a free month of the Nacho Kids Academy. And David and I matched those, and she did it again this year. And we're doing it again this year. Yes. So we have 20 scholarships to give out for a free month of the Nacho Kids Academy. That's right. We cannot thank Sylvia enough for doing this. She believes in us, and she believes in the method, or she would not be doing this. Yep. And she's investing in the lives of others. Yes, she is. Bless her. To apply for a scholarship, go to nachokids.com slash scholarships. Okay. What about our winner for this week? Crap. Our winner for this week (laughs) (laughs) of the Sylvia Crack Hour Nacho Kids Academy Scholarship is, drum roll, David, Catherine E. Catherine E., we will be sending you an email to get you set up for your free month of the Nacho Kids Academy Courtesy of Sylvia Krakauer. Congratulations, Cat E. Catherine. I know, Cat for short. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay, our guest today is Gabby Gast. Wow, say that again. Our guest today is Gabby Gast. <laughs> <laughs> Gabby has been blending for four years, married one year, has a stepson nine, has two adopted kids from her first marriage. That we refer to as her bio kids. Cool. Bio daughter 10 and bio son 8. Man. Mm-hmm. 
The hardest part of her blend has been the relationship with Biomom is toxic. Surprise. Yeah. <laughs> However, Gabby's relationship with her ex-husband is really good. And Gabby helps people to co-parent. So she's starting to help step families with co-parenting. Cool. So I told her we would refer people to her like we refer people to Bobby Brooks Wilcox because that is not our expertise. <laughs> we don't play in that sandbox. Right. We can give guidance and advice, but we have not lived the co-parenting dream. <laughs> is it a dream? <laughs> For us, it is, David. It's a dream? Uh, maybe it's a dream a to co-parent. I mean, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. I think it would be more it's, of a nightmare to have to deal with them, but okay. Not if it was co-parenting and good. If it was good. Yeah. Yeah. We just know that that's not going to happen. Not in our case. Nope. But that's okay, folks. Yep. Hey, look, you have to play the hand you're dealt. Yes. And I nacho my ex. (laughs) And I nacho his ex. I just nacho everybody. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) Gabby was born with cystic fibrosis. And the doctors had told her parents that she wouldn't live past six weeks, I believe it was. Oh, wow. She proved them wrong. Yes, she did. And in 2019, she had a double lung transplant. Oh, wow. And that changed her outlook on life. Mm-hmm. That makes you put things in a much different perspective. It does. So let's get to listening. All right. But first, here's a word about the Nacho Kids Academy. There is a way to save your sanity and your relationship, and it's called the Nacho Kids Academy. In the Nacho Kids Academy, you will learn the skills and knowledge to properly nacho, techniques to handle stepfamily challenges, ways to improve your communication, and much, much more. Visit nachokidsacademy.com and sign up today to join other step parents who are seeing the life-changing benefits of nachoing. Again, that's nachokidsacademy.com. Today, we have Gabby guest as a guest. That's hard to say. How are you today, Gabby? <laughs> I'm doing so well. How are you? Doing well. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I'm so honored to be here. Well, it's a pleasure to have you. So tell us a little bit about yourself, how long you've been blending, step kids, bio kids, hours kids, neighbors kids, all that good stuff. Yes. Um, me and my family, we really have a unique situation just like everybody else. And that's what I love about it is... You know, I was previously married, and in that marriage, I adopted two children with him. So we had this sort of blending happening from an adoption side. And then when we divorced, and I am now with my husband, he brought in a son as well. And so it was a lot of blending going on, and neither of us had been experienced with blending before. So At the time, I didn't know as much as I know now. And the way that we went about it was pretty, pretty good. You know, we all make mistakes and we struggle a little bit. And maybe as, you know, the the stepmom coming in, I may have been a little bit too much. It's way a part of my energy and my personality. You know, my top value within me, my characteristic value is zest. So that comes with energy and happiness and positivity. So, yeah, we've we've been a blended family for four years. And earlier this year, we, my husband and I got married. 
So yeah, it's just been a lot of fun throughout it all. We all have our ups and downs and, you know, the kids fight here and there, like every other family. And we just really love, love where we are. I could tell from your voice that you are just a positive person. (laughs) Even what you've said about the blend, you know, most people are like, yeah, this is suck. (laughs) And you're just, oh, you know, this has been good. And It is. And it's what I've learned in my whole life. I was born with cystic fibrosis. It's genetic. I was diagnosed at six weeks old. And, you know, all of my life has been a health struggle, um, just getting into some toxic relationships. My parents were told that I would not live past 11 years old. Mm. Boiler alert. Yeah, two decades past that, over two decades. Um, And you know, I really associate, and so do my doctors, a lot of the empowerment that I've had really comes from looking at things in a positive, more empowering way. I really try not to dwell on the negative. I know that I can't change it, and I know everything happens for a reason, and I get to use those experiences and really do well and help other people with them. So, Yeah, it's my energy level. It really skyrocketed. I received a double lung transplant in 2019. Wow. After I woke up, I had this whole new take on life that I, my passion is to really stand in front of people and help them with co-parenting and blending families because I know for me, it was a struggle and what I've learned really can help others sooner and feel more at peace. So yeah, my, my energy level is, it's great, but I'm also, you know, that I know when to bring it down. Yes. <laughs> One of the things that we have in the Nacho Kids Academy is a change your stinking thinking challenge. Mm-hmm. It's changed people's lives because we can choose to think negative or we can choose to find the silver lining or choose to not worry about the future with things. And it's not easy, but the more you create it as a habit, the easier it becomes. It really does. It's, it's that outlook. It's, you know, that change comes from where your thoughts are at. Mm-hmm. And if your thoughts really hone in on that, that trauma, maybe that happened or why was a divorce and, you know, as a stepmom or stepdad, stepparent, how hard it is, that's what your mindset is going to be. And it's really hard to switch that. Like you say, it takes practice. It takes work. Mm -hmm. And the outcome is amazing. Yes. So you said that you've been blending four years, but you just got married a year ago. Yeah. Did y'all live together prior to getting married? Yeah. So um, we moved in together about nine months. I bought a house and nine months after we met and we decided that we knew we were staying together. Mm-hmm. At that time, honestly, we weren't sure that either of us were going to get remarried. So we just knew that we loved each other and he had a difficult past marriage and same with me. So we had this connection that is hard to find. And so it was, it felt right. And we moved in together and, you know, our sons, they share a room together. They have bunk beds. They love it. And my daughter has her own room and it really, it's beautiful. We, Yeah. It's awesome. Okay. So are you one of these rare unicorn rainbow stepmoms? I am far from that. Honestly, 
the struggles that we have, they're real struggles. And I, I have this positive outlook on things. And I believe that that mindset that I sit in now has really helped. However, our environment of step parenting, my ex-husband, we were never meant to be together. We just tried, you know, we thought it was the right thing to do. We were high school sweethearts and we had two beautiful kids out of it through adoption. And my, and that turned toxic. There was some mental and physical abuse. And my, my now husband, his ex, they were very similar. There wasn't, you know, any physical abuse or anything, but it was just a, a high conflict marriage. And so coming together, my ex has really focused in on like, it's about the kids. So pick up and stuff is okay. We still 100% have our struggles. We struggle to co-parent, but overall, I feel like it's you know, about 70% of the time, 75, it's okay. It's okay. It's good. We, neither of us get triggered, but with my husband's ex, my, my stepson's mom, that relationship has never been good as part of our blended family. It's a, it's a struggle because she's not okay with it. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. Every mom has their own right of where they want to be. I really wish that she could be more accepting to us. Sometimes I'm sad because I feel like my stepson, maybe he's nine going on 10 and I, I see it in him that he knows that there's this animosity that he, it's really hard to break stepping over that, you know, betrayal of his mom by becoming closer to me. And right. Those loyalty bonds, they're strong. Yeah. And they, that's exactly what it is. You know, we, we know a child could be abandoned by their biological parent at a young age. And if they show up decades later, that bond is so strong that they are just so happy to see them. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So you said your your kids and the stepson get along pretty well. I mean, they have normal kid fights. Mm-hmm. Especially my two. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Sometimes my stepson is, you'll walk past and my two are bickering and starting to yell at each other. And the, you look in and my stepson is like, oh boy, here we go again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> now, how often do you have your stepson? So it, we do the two to five schedule. So two days during the week and then every other weekend. So what about with your kids? It's the same schedule, two to five, but we also work in days where we can just bring the stepson and just bring, you know, one of my kids and we kind of loop in here and there mixing it in so that we do, so that we have time set for that one-on-one. So we really like doing that. But overall, the schedule is they come on the same days. It's really important that y'all are doing that. Yeah. And I'm so glad you are because most people don't. They have the kids on the same schedule and they don't have alone time with their own bio kids. Yeah. Yeah. Both of us, my husband and I are here when we bring the one child at a time. But the best part about it is we allow the bio parent of who's ever here to really have one-on-one and then bring in, you know, well, whatever we do during the day together or, you know, earlier in the night when they come, if it's a school night, we, 
we're able to do that with our, our biological child or, you know, my adopted child. And then we do dinner together. And at the end of the night, it's our child's choice. And we do that together. So it's like, there's that one-on-one time, but it's also that bonding and that blending between all three of us. Right. And that's excellent. Thank you. Yeah. We enjoy it a lot. When you and your husband, well, significant other at the time, moved in together, did you come in as a parental figure and start parenting (laughs) the stepson and telling him to do chores and eat your broccoli and you're on restriction if you talk to me like that again and all that happy stuff? I did not. You know, I felt, you know, as a mom, that parental instinct comes in and I want to say, don't do that or you know, we don't do that. You're cu- we came in with two very different parenting styles. And at first, my feeling was like, okay, we have two very different parenting styles. Is this going to work? Mm-hmm. And in reality, what we were able to discover is some of what I used worked and some of what he used worked. So by bringing those pieces in together, it made a lot more sense. He was a little bit more laid back and I was a little bit, my kids need to be in more of a routine because they both have ADHD. And so there was that, that blending of disabilities even along with that. And when my stepson came in, I really felt like I wanted things to change right away. Mm -hmm. And I, of course, tried a few times, but really what it came down to is he didn't listen to me. He listened to his dad. Right. And it didn't do me any good to expend that energy and try to force it on him. So over time, you know, I've gotten a lot better at this is, you know, if something comes up, I just, I just kind of talk to my kids a little bit, you know, when we were earlier on, it would be, I'd let my kids know. And then, you know, if my then boyfriend stepped in and was like, Hey buddy, you too, we shouldn't do that. I allowed him to take care of that discipline and parenting for him for a long time. And that is so smart. Yeah. You know, as well as I do, stepmoms come in, they want to be the captain of the ship. And this is when you clean up. This is how you do it. If you don't do it, these are the repercussions, blah, blah, blah. And it just causes chaos. It really does. Now, I know it made you mad when your stepson didn't listen to you. So how did you handle that? Did you kick into the, oh, you rude kid? Mm -hmm. Or did you kick into, okay, he's going through some things and it's just not the right time for me to step in in that fashion? So in all honesty, what I went into was a bit of resentment Mm -hmm. to him. And the reason for that is because I didn't feel it was at the time where we both were coming in with different parenting styles. And if I would say something, my boyfriend wouldn't, you know, back me up. He wouldn't agree because he didn't always agree. Mm-hmm. And so I started resenting that relationship between the two of them and also my now stepson. And once I took a step back and I really looked at what was happening, I was like, no, this has got to stop. For me, it's journaling, writing down what's going on and seeing those patterns, whether they're good or bad. Mm-hmm. And that was something that I was noticing is like my feelings, even when we weren't parenting the children in a way where it was just, we were hanging out and when my stepson would 
go and ask his dad if they could do whatever it was. And I ended up getting this feeling, this like gut-wrenching feeling inside of me that what turned out to be resentment. Well, what about us? Mm-hmm. And I feel like I was the one as the stepmom, you know, that that outside parent really creating that wall because at the way beginning, it wasn't what I realized that, you know, me parenting him was not going to work for us. Right. So when you realize that, you step back. Yes. I'm sure there's times that you have to approach your husband with things that stepson has done. Oh my goodness, yes. How do you do that without your husband getting mad and defensive about his kid? So one thing that happened with us is he was a single parent in between meeting me and stuff. And he loves his son, just like we all do. Like We love our kids so much. And sometimes we don't see really what's going on beyond the surface. Mm -hmm. And so what had come up for us and me and my husband, the thing that I would, and still today have to let him know, I mean, he's, he's working through his emotions. He's really bottled a lot of stuff inside of him over the last decade. Um, And that's kind of how he grew up in his family. They don't really talk about the, the real situation happening, what's going on right then. Mm-hmm. So for me, I'm very aware of other people's emotions. And I I have that ability to really recognize. And it's almost like I feel it when like I feel it with them. And so with my stepson, sometimes he'll be working on something like Legos. Say he's putting uh, together a Lego set. We have never run into a Lego set that didn't come with all the pieces. You know, Lego mm-hmm. does a great job. <laughs> <laughs> so the only time this happens is if they were rummaging through the Legos and they go to take it to put it on something else. Right. He was here by himself. He was working on a Lego set and he was, he's a, he really is like a master builder. He's awesome. And he was going through it and he couldn't find a piece. And my husband and I, I think we were, we do a lot of projects around the house. So we were just working on projects and checking in on him. And, and I noticed in his body language that I could tell obviously that he was looking for something, but it was in his, his face and his body, how he was standing. And the way that it was, is I could see in his eyes that he was ready to cry. Mm -hmm. He was so upset because he really wants He's really strong at what he does and he is so incredibly smart. And I saw that and I just kind of went over to my husband and just said, Hey, um, do you want to check on him? It he does it, it looks like he's looking for something, but he doesn't, he doesn't look okay. And he looked over at him and he's like, He's fine. He's just looking for a Lego piece. And you're like, No, he's not. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, hey, I just for the sake of like me knowing that I'm wrong or anything, like, can you just pop over there and ask him how he's doing? And he's like, yeah, sure. So he went over and he's like, Hey buddy, is everything okay? Like, how's your Lego set? And he broke down in tears and it was all over the pressure that he was like putting on himself to make sure that he didn't lose a piece. Cause he knows they come with all the pieces. Right. He, he was like, all right, you, it's okay to ask me, like, let's find this piece. They found it together. And after that, he, you know, he really piped up. And that was a moment for my stepson and his dad. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't the person. And I know that even today, I am not that person to get in the way of those moments that he needs with his dad. Right. You mentioned that you almost feel what other people feel. 
Yes. I'm the same way. Yes. And it's a blessing and a curse. It is. It really is. I can be in the best mood and go around somebody that's struggling with something. And the next thing you know, I'm sad mm-hmm. or I'm mad, whatever. And we laugh because my sister, when she's grumpy, I'm like, I don't want to be around you because I pick that up. Mm-hmm. And it's the same way with David. If he's working on something in the office and I can tell he's getting frustrated, I have to leave because if not, I'll get frustrated. I am the same way. I just say, okay, I'm just going to step away for a minute and I'll come back. And my my husband and I really have that. It was something that we didn't do at the beginning and it caused conflict upon conflict. And once we really took a step back and sat down and talked, it was like, we need to allow each other that it's okay for us to take a break and walk away. Yes. That's so important. Especially if you're struggling with the stepkid. Yes. If the stepkid is driving you nuts and you're about to tell them something not so kind, it's best to walk away. It is. It is. My my husband probably does that more often than I do. Both my kids have ADHD, like I said, and one is really hyperactive and the other one is so super focused. It's so hard to get his mind off of what he's doing and really transition into the next thing. Mm-hmm. And so he is, my husband is a work in progress with his stepkids now because that is not something he ever experienced previously. And so he's learning about how their brains work and really stepping into that teachable space. So while he does that, and I'm sure beyond, like we all do, we have to step away, but I see it happening more often now because he doesn't want to get mad at them, Mm -hmm. but his first instinct instinct is because the way that they do things or the way that they respond is not like his child who doesn't have anything. Right. Yeah, it's different. It is. Every kid is different. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's a learning process. It is. So what if stepson, does he have chores? We, uh, we are not very good about <laughs> keeping to it. <laughs> So we have a list of what we want them to do for my stepson. I don't believe he has that type of a routine at his other house. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm saying out of, I have no idea, but when, when we ask him to do something and I, this is as a stepmom, you know, I'll say, Hey buddy, can you take 10 minutes and pick up some Legos mm-hmm. or here's some shirts. Can you hang them in your closet? I do get a little bit of the eye roll and I can tell that he's bothered mm-hmm. when his dad asks him something, you know, Hey, can you go clean this up? He's like, yep. And he r- runs over and takes care of it. Right. And so it's, it's, it's a interesting dynamic because I work from home and my husband mostly works from home. He goes into the office a couple of days a week. And when we have the kids, I'm working most of the day. So I need, you know, they get to have fun at summer, but at the same time, we have to still do what we need to do. And still keep them getting that routine so that when they go back to school, like things are feeling normal. And I'll let my husband know, you know, I want you to know, like I asked him to do some things today and, you know, he wasn't very excited about it. I could tell like I I was annoying him Mm -hmm. and he's like, that's never how he is with me. And I'm like, I know I'm just, you know, I get in this way. I'm like, I get it. You know, he is, he's great with you. You're his dad, but we got to work through this so that I'm not annoying him all the time. Or, you know, we talked, am am I not the one to ask him to do chores? 
You know, we have learned that it's best not to. Yeah. Not in the beginning anyway. And when I say the beginning, I mean that time frame can differ for everybody. 100%. I feel like we were at the beginning four years ago and into like year two, and then things got really comfortable. And we started a whole new beginning now that we're married. Yes. You reset it. Mm -hmm. And so year two of your marriage is going to be rocky, more than likely. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because when you're dating, it's like you can ask the stepkid, hey, can you help me do this? And they're just, oh, yes, yes, (laughs) ma'am. But then when you're married and you're in the home and you ask them the same exact way, you come across to them as um, a drill sergeant or just this horrible person. And it's really odd how the dynamics change. You were already living there. Mm-hmm. You get married. That's the only thing that changed. But then his behavior changes towards you. Yeah. Now, in your case, since you've got the high, con- well, I'm assuming high conflict by a mom. <laughs> I do. That doesn't help things because when y'all got married, she obviously wasn't happy about it. And her son picked up on that. So that pushed him probably away from you a little bit. Yes, I truly believe that. You know, with David's kids, I don't know if you even know our story, but year two, two and a half, things went to crap. I mean, we were about to get divorced and went to a counselor that I knew, and he kept telling me, Lori, they're not your kids. And I joked that he told me 862 times, and it was probably close to that, really. (laughs) And when we left, I was making fun of the counselor, and I'm like, they're not your kids. (laughs) And then it hit me. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm creating my own misery. Yeah. Why do I care if they brush their teeth if their own daddy doesn't? Mm -hmm. And it's not that he didn't care. It's just he let me take over that responsibility. And they were way against it. I could tell them to brush their teeth and they would probably go in there and just stand in the bathroom just out of spite. Yeah. Daddy tell them to brush their teeth. Okay, daddy. (laughs) And so we quickly learned once I started doing what's now the Nacho Kids Method, I didn't ask them to do anything. I didn't tell them to eat. I didn't even call them to dinner. David did everything. Sure. And what that allowed to happen was for me to step back and not be the target. Yes. And it wasn't easy to step back because I'm pretty outspoken. (laughs) But that's why I tell people, if I can learn to, it's not necessarily keep your mouth shut, but it's think before you speak, Mm -hmm. then anybody can. Yeah. Because I used to think everybody wanted to hear my opinion because it was so great. That's not true. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's great, but they don't want to hear it. <laughs> yes, you you're hit it right on the spot. You're exactly right there. And I'm thinking back to how we were talking about, you know, that reset mm-hmm. when we got married. I took it upon myself at that time to really, my my stepson was swinging by himself. We didn't have my kids that at that time. And I was working outside with my husband and I kind of just said, Hey, I'll be back in a second. And I went down and I sat on the swing next to him. And I just, it was about a week after the wedding. And I said, Hey, you know, how's it going? Did you have fun at the wedding? You know, it was more of like a one-on-one, not like after the wedding, we were like, Hey guys, did you have fun? It was really asking him how he felt about it. And he said, yeah, it was so fun. We got to run around. I got to see my cousins. You know, he hadn't seen some of his cousins in over a year. And so he really enjoyed it. And I just said, you know, what do you think about having really being a family unit officially with Bella and Jackson, my kids? Mm -hmm. And he was like, it's pretty cool. 
And I just, I said to him, you know, if we were out and about and we met some people and maybe they were your friends, what would you refer to Bella and Jackson as? And he was like, well, they're my brother and sister. And like inside that felt really good. Like I knew he wasn't saying it in a way that he felt he had to say it. He really meant it. And he's like, but I would never call them that to their face. I wouldn't be like, hey, sister, hey, brother. And so we laughed. Mm -hmm. And then I just said to him, I'm like, hey, I want you to know that I'm so excited for this family that we're creating. And I promise you that I am not here to stand in the way or take over what your mom is to you. Your mom is your mom. And I'm here to support you whenever you need it. Mm -hmm. And I could, in his eyes, you could see, I think I lifted a weight off of his shoulder. Oh, I'm sure you did. And it was just that second of being alone with him, letting him know that I'm not here to get in the way. Mm -hmm. And after that, I just looked at him and I, I hadn't said it up until then. And I said, is it okay if I tell you that I love you? And he wanted to cry and he smiled and he like shook his head and he's like, yeah. And I said, can I hug you? And he's like, yeah. And I gave him a big <laughs> hug and it was just, it felt, I get the chills thinking about it. It just was a moment for me and him mm-hmm. where I let him know my role and that I'm not going to get in the way of his mom. Right. And you know, I never thought that I was trying to replace their mom or anything like that. But when you come in and start parenting them, that's how they view it. Yes. And you don't have that quote, quote, right to do that because you're not the mom. Yes. And like, I I remember telling at the beginning, my boyfriend, I was, I'm not, I'm not going to be in the way. Like, I'm not trying to be their mom. It's just, I feel like they need, he needs to listen or Mm -hmm. what we do is for him too. And So I totally get that. What you're saying is like, we usually come in because we're born with this. You know, we are brought up in a way to put our family first. And so when we become moms, that's what we do. And when you have a family that you're trying to blend with, your new partner, that's your family. So you have that instinct, that parenting instinct Mm -hmm. to do so to your stepchild. Yes, exactly. And it's hard. I wrote a blog one time about it's almost like having split personalities. It is. Oh my gosh. That's so true. (laughs) It it is. And a lot of times things would happen and I'm like, wait a minute, not my kid. This is how I respond. Okay. You are my kid. So this is how I respond. Yes. (laughs) Now I know one issue that we had with the stepkids and my son was, of course, if my son told me something happened and the stepkid told me something that happened and they were different, I believed my son. Oh, yes. Because you don't want to tell your kid they're they're lying. Mm -hmm. It's a lot easier to tell the stepkid you don't believe them. (laughs) And and it's not even telling them you don't believe them as much as it's them seeing you react in a way that shows that you believe your kid. Yes. And that was apparently a big issue with my stepkids, but I didn't realize that. I believe in most families that's the way it is. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say that in mine, it was a little different because my my children really, they were about two and four when I was divorced. And the environment that they're in at their, their dad's house is a lot different. And 
you know, he's like the Disney dad. He gives them all this stuff and he makes it fun. And, mm-hmm. you know, when they come back here, you know, we have a lot of fun together. We do like puzzling and going for bike rides and stuff like that. We do a lot of the togetherness. And so it's hard for my ch- children when they come over that two days that we have them, there is no transition that happens into our house. So it's really chaotic. And then when they come back and it's a five day transition period, you know, with, where they're with us after about the second, third day, like things are really good. And so my children really have grown up in this way and we're really working on it with them is there's a lot of white lies and a lot of not taking accountability for what really happened mm-hmm. and really blaming it on their, you know, brother or sister, the two of them, that's what they do. And so what happened with us and at the beginning, it was 100% the wrong thing for me and my now husband to do is something would happen and my stepson would say, you know, well, no, this is what happened. And so both my husband and I really kind of grasped onto that. And we, t- we tended to really believe him in most cases. Mm-hmm. And then over time, he grew up and realized I shouldn't say anything. Like, this is not my place to, you know, he's getting to that age. And he's like, wait, no, I don't want to talk about it. So now it's a lot of I don't knows. Mm-hmm. And so for us, we went around about it in a different bad way. <laughs> <laughs> That now we're trying to really improve that and shift really that we put pressure on him is what we've realized to be the one to tell the truth. Right. And instead of working on more closely with my kids with, okay, if you get frustrated, like come to us and work on those different toolbox items that they can use inside them. Mm -hmm. We put the pressure in the wrong place. Yeah. And you could have damaged their relationship. Yes. Very easily because it's, oh, he's going to rat us out. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. We often laugh. One of David's kids, he would not even be here. I mean, he would be at his mom's across town, but he seemed to know what happened. (laughs) Or he would be at the grandma's house. Oh, no, I saw Jackson do it. No, you didn't. You weren't even here. But that was what he did. Mm -hmm. And it, it took us a little while to catch on that that's what he was doing. But any opportunity he had to defend his brothers and put Jackson in a bad light, he took that opportunity. Yeah. Do you, did you ever think about, you know, have you come up with like why that is? Is it, is it because like inside he wishes he were there? So like that's his input on whatever happened? We have realized over time that he tells people what they want to hear. Sure. Mm-hmm. We aren't really sure why. Maybe because he doesn't like confrontation or Mm -hmm. disruptions. You know, he just, he'll tell you what you want to hear. So, of course, he knew his dad wanted to hear that Jackson did something wrong. Yeah. Or that the brothers wanted to hear him defend them. Mm -hmm. It didn't matter what I wanted to hear. (laughs) (laughs) But it's funny because we still see those tendencies in him now, and he's 21. Yeah. I think a lot of it was loyalty binds to his brothers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And the let's get Lori out of the house movement. <laughs> so if your stepson did something horrible, mm-hmm. and when I say horrible, that's up to each person's perception, but say that he hurt one of your kids or you saw him purposely break something, would you address it with him or would you go to his dad? 
I would go to his dad. Very smart. Yeah. It's, that is a place that, and like you said, when you asked that question, my level of horrible is way different than his level of horrible. Yes. That's what I was going to get at next. (laughs) So for me to go to his, to my stepson and assume my level of horrible and talk to him, it would not be fair because it would come off as way too aggressive. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that's the thing too, is a lot of times we don't realize we go to our significant other and we say, little Johnny was rude to me. And he's like, well, what happened? And we say, I asked him a question and he said, what? Well, yeah, some people will say that's rude, but your significant other may not really think it is. Yeah. And a lot of times we want our significant others to discipline their kids for what we find as bad behavior and they don't. And it puts them in a bind. It really does. Yeah. And for us, when that happens, it's both ways. My the stepkids for my husband, you know, he has a different level than I do. So we have, you know, sometimes we're in the moment and we react. That's Mm -hmm. even though we try so hard not to, it's, that's our natural instinct. And when that happens, you know, both of us are like, oh crap. Yes. We're so sorry. Like we really do go into that apology and get on the same level with the kids. So they know we're not mad at them. It's about the choice they made. And So when those happen with my stepson and I go to my husband, I just let him know what happened. And I also let him know how it felt to me. Mm -hmm. And I don't tell him what to do. I just let it be with, this is what I saw. This is what I felt. Here you go. Right. Because if you tell him what to do, again, you're parenting by proxy, but you're also putting them in a situation where they're like, well, I don't really agree with that, but... I'm going to make her mad if I don't do something. I'm going to make him mad if I do. And it's like they've got vices on the side of their head squishing them. Mm-hmm. I know one time one of the kids made a comment about something with Jackson. And like I felt like they were telling me I needed to parent my kid differently. And it's bad enough when an adult's telling you that. But then a stepkid telling you that, you're like, whoa, wait a minute. You need to back up. But what it was, and I'll admit it now. <laughs> I couldn't admit it then. I expected more of the stepkids than I did my own kid. Now, granted, there was a five-year age difference between Jackson and the triplets, but the joke with them now is he's only five because that's what I said all the time. Yeah. But he was. You can't expect the same from a five-year-old that you do a 10-year-old. Yeah. But, but I have to say this too, and this is what I warn people about all the time, be careful because what I expected from those stepkids at age 10, let's say, I didn't expect the same things from my son. A lot of that is guilty parent syndrome. I do have it. I admit it. A lot of it's because that motherly thing. You see the empty cereal bowl on the table and it's your stepkids and you're like, you lazy stepkid. Think I'm your maid. I'm not picking up your crap. And it just spirals. Your kid leaves a cereal bowl and it's like, oh, he must have been in a hurry. Yes. Oh my gosh. So yes. Isn't it funny? You really have to take a step back and like consciously think about what you just said in your head. Yes. That is so hard to switch our thoughts. I don't know if you know who Laura Petherbridge is. I do actually. I Her interview that I did with her for my summit actually aired yesterday. So it was a great conversation. I love Laura. I love her. 
I'm not sure if she came up with this phrase, but we seem to give her credit for it. But saying that parents view their kids through the lens of love. Mm -hmm. Step parents view the stepkids through the lens of responsibility. It's really true. It is. And you had mentioned about reacting. It is hard not to react out of emotion. But once you can get to that point that you can pause and think, is this going to be beneficial, me saying anything? Am I wanting to say this out of a place of concern or out of a place of frustration? And go through that process, a lot of times you'll stop yourself from reacting at all. It's not always possible. There are good times to react. Like if you hear gunfire, you know, don't sit there and think, oh, well, is that really gunfire or fireworks? Just move, you know? (laughs) Yes. But when we react out of emotion, it's normally not healthy for the people around us or ourselves. I love that you bring that up because it's that reacting as responsibility and reacting as love. Mm-hmm. For me, it's finding that balance between both of those for my kids and my stepson. Mm-hmm. And getting to that place is difficult. And I've noticed, you know, during my journey of really stopping reacting, I'm, I'm really, a, I used to be very impulsive and I really didn't listen to what my kids were saying mm-hmm. or seeing what they were doing without reacting like in the middle of what they were saying. I know. <laughs> and it was so hard for me. And I really, when they start talking to me, where I am now in my journey is I really hear, I hear them and I make contact, eye contact. And that's the moment where I'm like, all right, just listen, mm-hmm. let them talk, let them ask their question. It's hard to make yourself focus on the conversation. And I laugh all the time because I will ask my son something. I don't hear his response, but I know he responded. That happens with my husband and me. (laughs) Oh, girl, we ain't even going to go down the husband trail of what we think we say to each other. (laughs) Because I'm like, I told you that. No, you didn't. And I specifically remember. Well, he wasn't listening. That's what happened. I know. And life is so distracting, Mm -hmm. especially with cell phones. I'm not blaming it all on cell phones, but, you know, it used to be TVs or whatever was distracting. But we really do owe it to people that are trying to have a conversation with us to focus on that conversation. And like you said, to not jump in halfway and respond. Mm -hmm. My son was telling me something the other day and halfway through, I'm like, you need to quit hanging around that kid. He seems like a bad influence. I never did get to what he was trying to tell me with the story because when I told him that, when I responded that way, he shut down. I didn't let him finish because that's what I was paying attention to. And I felt like I had to get it out right then. And I'm one of these people that I need to write it down. (laughs) Yes. But you're not actively listening if you're having to write that stuff down because you're forming your responses. Yeah. And I do that too with my kids. It's, it's just a work in progress for me. But when they come to me and they're telling me about something, the first thing that I do in the middle of that sentence, if it's a question about something to do, I, I would say probably 90% of the time it was an immediate no. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even have a reason to say no. <laughs> It was just the response that I reacted with because most of the time what they wanted to do, we couldn't do. Mm -hmm. 
and learning that we really need to take that pause and listen. I did an interview with Elizabeth Stitt of Joyful Parenting, Mm -hmm. and she brought up this yes and method. And when I heard about her yes and method, I put it into place. You know, it's always a practice. It takes time. But when they come to me, they're like, hey, mom, we're going to keep playing outside with the neighbor. And I look at the clock and it's, you know, 730, eight o'clock and it's getting time to come in and wind down. And before I'd be like, no, it's time to come inside. Mm-hmm. Just very flat like that. And now it's like, oh, yeah, that sounds awesome. And, you know, I know you enjoy playing with the neighbors and you know, I know you'd love to go back outside. And then he'd say, yeah, we want to jump on the trampoline. We want to do A, B, and C. Yeah. And I'm so happy you want to do that. And unfortunately, you know, buddy, it's about time to get ready for, to come inside and wind down. And I know how much you want to do that. So let me text their mom and make sure that you guys can continue your date, your play date tomorrow when they get home from school. Mm-hmm. And Right then it's like, oh, mom, but please, you know, buddy, we have to get a good night's rest. And I'm really excited. You know, I know they're, they're going to be home tomorrow night. You know, I'll double check. And it kind of brings them to this. Oh, yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. We really have been playing for like five hours. Right. And <laughs> so that yes and, you know, response for me has really helped me take that pause and listen to what they want and really pay attention to, yeah, we can do it or giving them the reason and really letting them know that it's not, it's not a flat out. No, just not right now. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, too, I've noticed this with parents, we are constantly correcting our kids. Mm -hmm. That's our job, right? But we tend to forget that part of our job is to recognize the good things they do. Yes. And I'm not saying we don't, But we are quicker to say, don't do that. You know, sit up straight. Don't chew with your mouth open. All this stuff. And we're almost constantly feeding them negative in a certain way. Does that make sense? 100%. And I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, well, how do you raise a kid and teach them all the stuff of the no, you know, don't run out in the road and all the stuff without it being negative? And it's really simple. It's just flipping it around of, I would appreciate if you didn't chew with your mouth open. Yes. Or we have to be careful when we're crossing the street. We need to look both ways. There's better ways to say things than I think that we do sometimes. And I'm guilty. I'm not saying I'm not because I am guilty. Yes. My son will say, all you ever do is tell me what I'm doing wrong. Well, that's not true. But that's what they remember. It is. It's it's so true because, you know, with our with our kids, we feel like parenting for me, it's like I feel like parenting is my job. Mm-hmm. My job is to make sure they do A, B, and C. And when I really look at it, my it's not my job. What I need to do is I need to teach them so that they can learn it themselves and grow up to know, grow up to really have that confidence within. Mm-hmm that they don't need someone to tell them what to do when something happens. They're, they're able to take what you as the parent have taught them through the years and really create their own personality and their own life. Right. And even as stepmoms, I don't think any of us come in and say, I'm going to be mean to little Johnny and make him go to bed at eight o'clock at night. <laughs> what we see is little Johnny staying up late at night. 
His dad's not making him go to bed. He's grumpy in the mornings. Little Johnny needs to go to bed about 8 o'clock. And so it's, little Johnny, you need to start going to bed early. But that's not our place. We're not their parent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. You know, talking about the bedtime, when when we moved in together and had started blending our family real, real close, my kids, they they need to go to bed by a certain time because it takes them a little bit to fall asleep. and. If they don't sleep, you know, all of our kids, all three of them have this internal clock of like six o'clock in the morning. And we, we try so hard to break that. And it's, it's getting better. We're getting closer to like six 30 and seven. <laughs> and the thing with my kids is, and, and his, and he didn't realize this is no matter how late they go to bed, they're still getting up at that time. Mm-hmm. So for my kids on a school night, I mean, they're um, eight and 10 now by eight 30, we are starting that routine. And so when we started blending, he was, you know, it's, it's early. And I, and during school, it was like eight o'clock at that time. And he's like, it's way early to start a bedtime routine. And I'm like, that's okay. If you want to keep your son up, that's all right. But my kids, if they don't, this is what happens. And I explained it to him and, you know, he saw it the nights that we let them stay up later. Mm -hmm. And eventually it was what I was doing was really flowing over to what my husband wanted to do, but I didn't tell him to do it. Right. And that's what I love about, you know, when we choose and we're conscious about not telling what our partner to do, if they see what what I'm doing, you know, my husband, when he sees what I'm doing, if he sees that it's working and there's progress and improvement, that's when he'll start to incorporate it too. Because he's the kind of person that if I'm like, hey, I learned this and he's like, that sounds too good to be true. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's okay. I'm just going to try it and see how it goes. And because I didn't tell him that he has to be along with me, he kind of just sees it happening and flows right in. Right. Well, it's leading by example rather than by demands. Yeah. I remember with my son, it was just us and our little quiet house. So when we got married and moved in with David, or when I got married and moved in with David, David's kids Four kids can't be quiet. <laughs> they can't, especially boys. And Jackson's bedtime was 8, 8.30. That's when we'd start doing the bedtime routine. Well, David's kids were older, so they would stay up a little later. And it really bothered me because I felt like Jackson's sleep was getting interrupted or he couldn't go to sleep till later. But I will tell you, my son learned to adapt. Yeah. He could sleep through a tornado now. <laughs> Because he's used to that noise. And I actually read something years and years ago that when you were a child, if your mom made the house quiet when you slept, that's how you have to sleep now. Yes. Whereas if your mom puts you to bed and she's in there doing dishes and vacuuming and making noise, you learn to go to sleep with the noise. Yes. Yes. Now, when David's kids moved out, my son plays YouTube videos or music or something and it's so loud. I'm like, how does he sleep with that? But it's because he's used to being around that noise. Yes, it is. And you are here right on the point there because with my kids, so my first, my first child, I adopted her at seven months old. So she had been in the environment she was in and then came with me and the environment was trying to be quiet at sleep. And so it was really hard to get her down for naps. It was hard to do all of those things. Mm-hmm. And then when my son was born, we we actually went to the hospital and picked him up 
you know, we were with him in the NICU while he was recovering from a sickness that he got. And I, before my lung transplant with cystic fibrosis, I coughed, like I'd be having a conversation with you. And I like right now, and I probably would have coughed out a hundred times. And so there was noise and I had machines and breathing machines and like, just because of me, mom, there was noise. And so Mm -hmm. with my second son, we would not allow him to go to sleep when we weren't able to with no noise. So he really learned. He We'd go visit people. He'd be three years old and he'd sit on the couch and he'd just lay down and he'd fall asleep. And there's like 20 people hanging out. Mm-hmm. And they're like, how did you do that? It was a learning progress. We didn't do it with our first child, but it's true. You know, you, and I will say, I give that as like when you go to baby showers and you say, they're like, oh, what's your biggest tip for mom? And my biggest tip is always, you think that it needs to be quiet for them to sleep, but do your hardest to make some noise so that that's what they get used to. Yes. And everybody's like, no, I'm not going to do it. And then, you know, a couple of years later, they're like, oh, why do they only sleep in the quiet? (laughs) Yes. And so my stepson was in the same environment as you were, where it was just him and his dad. And he'd go to sleep in quiet and coming into our family, you know, we're, we're loud, we're fun. And they were quiet and kind of reserved. And he, when somebody gets up in the morning, we, for us, we walk out of our bedroom, which we pass theirs. Now we close the door and we, there's an automatic light that kicks on. And once that click of the light kicks on, he wakes up mm-hmm. and it, you know, my kid, my children will sleep forever if I don't wake them up. Right. And it, you know, my husband is like, gosh, I really wish he'd sleep in sometimes. And hopefully he'll adapt to that eventually, but he's, you know, he's, He's set in his ways that he likes it quiet. Mm-hmm. I remember we were doing balloons for one of the kids' birthdays, and David had to work that morning. And he's got the air compressor, the loud air compressor in the bathroom oh. blowing up balloons. I go in there. He's asleep. <laughs> now, you know, I have that little questionnaire you filled out. Yeah. And you said the best advice was learning about the 1 through 10 scale for motivation to accept the step parent and how that plays a key role in resistance at the beginning and throughout. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah. So I learned that Ron Deal. Okay. And he, what he explained is, and when I, when I heard this, if I would have known this idea before I started blending my family, although we're in a great spot right now, we have our struggles and everything. I feel like we would have been in a better place. And so what that scale is, is so when you meet your maybe to be stepson or, you know, your boyfriend's children. And you come in and so I'll say for me, looking back, I came in as a 10, like my motivation to blend our family was a 10, like tapping over a 10. Mm -hmm. And I wanted nothing more than to take the love that I have for my children, the love that I had for my boyfriend, because we did wait months till I met him. Mm -hmm. I wanted to take that and I wanted to, I'm a hugger. I'm a, let's sit down and hang out together. Like, let's be, you know, in a place where we're close together playing games. And I, I really embraced that towards him. And the kid is like, no. Exactly. And so at the time I didn't realize that it was me doing that. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that, oh, it's because he's, he just is like, who are you? 
I have a mom, what is going on kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. Really, that's what it was. However, when I look back at it on a scale and I look at what he came in as, I truly believe he was like maybe a three, Mm -hmm. a four. And when I'm coming in as as a 10, I'm pushing him lower down that scale. Yes. Without even realizing it. Mm -hmm. And so learning that, you know, blending a family and coming in and recognizing where you as the step parent is and looking at their body language, you know, taking into account the divorce that they may have gone through with their parents, you put that all together and you look at where they are and you really try to go slower. I mean, we should always go slow, but if you can recognize how far away you are from them, it will really help you strengthen that bond better in a way that you don't push them further away. Right. You have to let them lead the relationship. Yeah. In all honesty, like when I look back, I, I'm, my kids and I are tens together. Like, you know, that bond is so strong. It's, it's really what it is with your child. And that's what he is with his mom and his dad. And the things that I did, even though I didn't realize that they could have been affecting him by doing them with my children in front of him, mm-hmm. that probably p- played a huge role. And for example, it's, My kids and I, you know, we sit down at night when we're going to bed, we say prayer, we hold hands or we like cuddle up next to each other. We still do it today and I love it and I hope it continues forever and I'm just going to take it for as long as I can. Yes. And so when we would have sleepovers at the beginning, you know, we would go in. He also said prayer with his dad, which was for me very, very, it was really welcoming. Mm -hmm. And so we'd sit there, he'd sit on his son's bed and I'd sit next to my kids We'd say prayer. I'd look at them and say, you know, give them a hug and give them a kiss, tell them that I love them. And I'd walk out. And the way that his dad and his relationship was, is they would say prayer and he'd kind of give him like a half hug, like tap. Mm -hmm. And that was it because that's how my husband grew up. Right. He didn't really experience a lot of affection. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I look back and I think, okay, if I would have recognized where he was at and recognize the relationship that he'd had with his dad was different than mine with my kids. I think things would have been better than they were because here I am telling my kids, I love you, hugging them really hard. And like my son and I have this mommy kiss routine and he, he, I'll be like, can I have a mommy kiss? And he'll kiss my forehead, my forehead, my cheeks, and then on my lips. Oh, that's our thing. And we still do it. And so I think that me having what I had with my kids might have like been putting him off a little bit. Yes, because that's not what he was used to. Exactly. And maybe he didn't even know that that was a thing. I'm not sure. You know, David really tried to push us to be a nuclear family in the beginning, which, of course, we know now was a huge mistake. Yeah. One of the things was bedtime routines. Jackson was used to me going to his room, saying prayers, tucking him in, talking about his day. David's kids were used to David doing the same thing with them, but they didn't want me and Jackson in there. And Jackson didn't want to do his prayers with the kids. And I remember Jackson saying something to me one time of why does that have to change? Why do we have to be a part of their prayers? We have our own. And I was like, huh. And I realized Jackson wasn't as open with me when the brothers were around. Okay. So I told David, no, you keep doing prayers with your kids and I'll keep doing mine with Jackson. And it worked out fine. It's okay, right? <laughs> right. Because 
that's what they were used to again. And we have to be careful of trying to change too much too quickly. Yes. Now, you had mentioned something about Ron Deal and how you wish you would have known that before you found out about it, the 1 through 10 thing. Yeah. I know we often say that about, oh, I wish I would have known to nacho before it was even a thing. (laughs) But if you would have told me, Lori, don't go in and parent them. Let David keep parenting them. I'd been like, you're crazy. Exactly. So I wonder if you would have heard that before your blended struggles and everything, if you would have been, oh, that makes sense. Or you'd have been like, no. You are one. Yeah, totally. I would... I used to be a very, very strong, very, uh, what's the nice way to say, you know, very strong headed. Um, and so if, if I would have heard that, I definitely would have had a lot of resistance because what I thought was right is what really overtook me for a long time and didn't allow me to learn. Right. And so you're right. Over the years, what I've learned has really created this new story of mine. And we really can only go forward. Yes. And so that's where we use, you know, you and I, we use that and we share it with people and we share it in a way that we explain what it means and we show what, you know, what examples are. And we really help our listeners to understand they're not alone. And there's these tools that they can learn to improve going forward. Right. And we don't want, in my case, I don't want people to get to the point that David and I were, where you're about to get divorced Mm -hmm. before you're open-minded enough to try something that's different. Yes. Because Nacho Kids seems so counterintuitive to what you think a step-parent should be, but it works. Yeah. Because we do. We have a lot of society telling us what we should be doing. You're supposed to be the mom. Yes. You're supposed to be almost a perfect mom. Mm -hmm. Don't make mistakes. If you make mistakes, you're going to really affect your children. Oh, and it's not only just the perfect mom because, you know, you can say about your kid, my kid's driving me insane. I'm going to send them to a group home. (laughs) You say that about a step kid, honey, they will burn you at the stake. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. And that's that um, multiple personality we were talking about, right? Yes. (laughs) Mm-hmm. I love it when people will join the academy and we'll ask them, how long have you been blending? Oh, well, we're not living together yet. I'm like, oh, you are awesome. You know, David and I did our research. We thought for sure that it's not going to be easy, but we got this. Yes. Two and a half years later, everybody hated everybody. Everybody was miserable. I honestly felt like everybody wished I would die. And I'm not kidding when I say that. That's how I felt. And it's so sad that you look in these stepmom groups, and if I would have said, I don't like my stepkids, oh my gosh. They'd have been like, lady, you're going to hell. Yeah, they would have banned you. (laughs) Yes. And so that's kind of how, when I started not showing, I would find people that were attacked in other Facebook groups and reach out to them. Yeah. And we've got to stop this stigma, I guess, of the step parents have to love their stepkids like their own. That puts too much pressure on them. They're not their kids. It's, yeah, it's a lot of pressure. We have enough pressure on ourselves as it is. Right. And I know you love your stepson. Oh, yeah. I love my stepkids. There was a point I didn't. And they didn't love me, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. But we have grown tremendously. 
but they know I will never love them like I do my son. But it would also offend them greatly if their dad loved my son like he does them. Yeah, because it's like you've created a whole new family and you're ignoring that your stepchild has a mom and dad. Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, Gabby, I could talk to you all day. (laughs) Same. I love this. Thank you so much. This is great. I am so glad that you are helping step families. Thank you. It really is. You know, the way I look at it is I went through what I went through and I've learned a lot. And to share that message and to let other step parents, co-parents know that what they're going through is okay. Mm -hmm. And we have ways to help them improve if they want. That's what it's all about for me is sharing that message and giving hope that no matter how stuck we feel and how much we feel like nothing can get better from where we are. Exactly. Yeah. I know one of the things that David and I talk about is the struggles we went through, we view them as blessings because now we are able to help step parents across the world mm-hmm. to not fall into the 72% statistic of not making it. Yes. Yes. And that's our mission. It is. We, I get to take what I've experienced in my past marriage, in my co-parenting, in my blending family, and I get to share that mm-hmm. with so many others. Yes. And allow them to heal and move forward too, just like you. It's amazing. It's beautiful. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Well, I'm going to have to have you back so we can talk about co-parenting because we didn't even address that. Oh, yes. Co-parenting is my jam. (laughs) Well, I'm going to tell you, it's not mine. So (laughs) I definitely need to um, talk to you further about that because if someone wants to improve their relationship with their ex as far as co-parenting. I mean, granted, we can give them tips and things like that, but I'm not one to talk about that because I cannot even talk to my ex. Yeah. And so I need somebody to refer them to. I don't know if you've ever heard of Bobby, Bobby Brooks Wilcox. Um, No. She wrote a book called Reconciled. Okay. And it's a really good book. I really suggest you get it. It's not your normal step-parent slash divorce book. Like, I couldn't put the book down. Sure. Yeah, I thought it was going to be boring. And she knows I said that, but (laughs) it wasn't. I was, you know, I was like, oh, no, wonder what happens next. But she ended up with a great co-parenting relationship with her ex. So I definitely want you back on so we can talk about that. Yeah, totally. I mean, you know, I went from, like I said, that abusive relationship with my ex to we're in a place where we can co-parent and be around each other and laugh here and there. And then also I have my husband's ex and that's a different kind of, we don't talk, we don't interact. And Mm -hmm. it's, there's ways to make those work. I would love to talk more about that. Yeah. I would say that David and I both parallel parented with our ex. Sure. Which a lot of people will misunderstand that as you are on the same path. No, it means you don't communicate. It is. Yep. It's all about the kids. Yes. And you don't communicate. Mm Mm-hmm. Because it just causes problems. Yeah. And for yourself too. Yep. Anyway, girl, I am going to let you go. Thank you. Thank you again for being a guest on our podcast, but tell people how they can find you. Yeah. So I, you can find me on Instagram at Gabby Holly Coaching. And I also have a website, www.gabbygast.com. And that's G A B B Y G A S T. Okay. And you are also. You also have a podcast, right? Yes, my podcast uh, just aired and it's called 
The Gab with Gabby Gast. <laughs> oh, I like that. Yeah. And I'm going into, you know, this podcast. So it's pretty, it's using my new last name and having fun with it. So I'm going to have kind of different, different podcasts along that line. And the first one that I've released is The Gab with Gabby Gast, Coffee Talk. Oh, so is your podcast going to be strictly step family, blended family related? It's not right now. So it's a lot about co-parenting. There's a lot about self-love. There's a lot about blending families. We're really mixing in a lot of toolbox items Mm -hmm. from different coaches and different experts that can bring in because it's all about everybody has their own way to work through it and the way that you can match with. I want to bring in all these different opportunities and let so many other leaders and experts share their message too. Yes, because there are millions of step parents that need help. Yes. And you may have some that click with you. I may have some that click with me and that's okay. It is 100% okay for us. You know, it's not a competition. Right. We want you to be with the person that you can most relate to and feel like you are having a great experience and be listened and be heard. That's what it's all about. Yes. Well, thank you again. Thank you, Lori. I hope you have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. You know, David, we deal a lot with step families that have kids with ADD or ADHD. And Gabby talks about how her kids have that and how it's difficult for her husband to adjust to their behavior because his kid does not. Yeah, that can be a challenge. I know we had challenges with um, three of my kids being on ADD medication. And of course, they didn't always get it. Won't go into that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot about that horrendous story. Yeah. Um, I do remember one of them coming home from school the first day he was on it. And he's like, I love school. I know. I'm like, man, I'm going to give everybody this medicine. But it didn't take long for the side effects to change his thought on that medicine, though. Yeah. Yeah. There were, I think there were more bad side effects than there were good side effects. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyway, uh, that's a completely different topic. But we did have challenges with dealing with three kids that had uh, ADD. And, and it is a challenge. It's a challenge even for the bio parent, but for the step parent, it, it's even more so because you just don't have the same tolerance level with somebody else's kids. Two, and I'm not saying this is the case with Gabby, but I know. A lot of parents blame the ADD for a lot of things. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, they have ADD. And so it's almost like they look at it as a disability. And I'm not saying it's not, but they teach the kid to use that as an excuse. Oh, yeah. My parents did with my sister. It, it can often be, if you're not careful, it's an excuse for not parenting. Mm-hmm. which the child looks at as an excuse for their behavior. Like, you know, I can't help it. And and they'll often repeat what they're hearing the parents say. Right. You know, I, I mean, even with my kids, they would come home and they would hear the other, the other parent talk about, well, he can't do any better in school because he has ADD and blah, blah, blah. And I'd be like, no, no, we are not going to let that be a crutch that you lean on. Or one of them, I remember saying that he wasn't as smart as the others because that's what he heard. Yeah, that was, that was bad. 
So yeah. be careful what your kids hear or stepkids because they don't need to hear that crap. No, no. And this, and, and this is one of my kids and he, he really internalized that comment. And I honestly believe it changed the trajectory of his life mm-hmm. because somebody he loved said that about him. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. One thing that we do talk about, and David, we've talked about this before, and I've talked about it on a different podcast. I may not have released that podcast yet. Can't remember. But how certain things in the blend end up resetting the blend. Mm, For instance, if you add an hour's baby, it tends to reset the blend. And what I mean by resetting the blend is the relationships that you have built in the blend, they seem to start over. Was that the podcast with Hector and EB when they had the hours kid? I can't remember. Okay. <laughs> but I do remember the, the, the comment. Yeah. And in her case, in Gabby's case, the reset button was when they got married. Mm. And we see that all the time. Yeah. But in this case, we're not talking about one of those resets that clears everything up and start a new slate. We're talking about Let's go back to square one mm-hmm. and revamp. <laughs> and we got to, you know, all the stuff that was working before, we got to reevaluate, do a reassessment, see what's going to work now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it is a little bit of a starting over process sometimes. Yes, exactly. But that doesn't mean that you can't move forward or that you need to give up. No. Well, you do go faster after the reset. Well, that's what I was going to say is you've learned things up to the point of the reset that will help you move forward more quickly and safer (laughs) for lack of a better word. It's a more intelligent thought provoking process. Yes. So the reset's not bad. It's just, it changes things a little. Yeah. Well, it's no different than, you know, if, if you were husband and wife and been married for five or six years, then all of a sudden you have a kid. It changes the, changes the dynamic of your house. Mm-hmm. And so you have to go and start looking at what's the new roles you have to be involved in. And you don't get to spend so much time doing the other things you used to do. <laughs> right. All right. We're not going to run off on any tangents. Any more tangents. <laughs> any more tangents. But don't forget the Step Family Summit. This is the second annual Step Family Summit. If you were a part of it last year, this year is going to blow your socks off. And if you don't wear socks. Yeah, it'll blow your toes off. <laughs> or your toenails. <laughs> that sounds painful. <laughs> <laughs> In a good way. <laughs> All right, folks, that's our show for today. Be sure to join us next week for another amazing show. And remember, for Lori and myself, life is good. <laughs> when you nacho. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nacho Kids podcast. Find us online at nachokids.com. Until next time, remember, life is good when you nacho.